hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Uh, we have two special guest stars appearing in the beginning of this episode. Um, uh, the fabulous Trist from Nightmare of Eden. Are you, are you claiming superior knowledge? The, the, the flora and the fauna are actually in the crystal. I hope <laughs> you can understand what a technical achievement that is. Uh, but we... <clears throat> Darn least. <laughs> Antiquated CE demos, of which you'll get adequate early warning. Transducts for the very limit of the You are informed that the Mandrel is a law criminal upon which you allow him to escape. I can see himself in his patient and be 53 stories high. A clever stratagem, Trist. You're trying to confuse him, I take it. <laughs> I think that's the first recorded dialogue between Trist and Spandrel from Gallifrey. <laughs> oh, do you know what? That was well improvised, you know. You thought about going into comedy. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not funny. <laughs> I think you're fucking hilarious. Honestly. Oh, my God. Oh, swearing. Look, honestly, the pain was in. Okay, so uh, thank you very much, Trist and Spandrel. Off you go to your respective. That's oh, uh... my pleasure. <laughs> Doctor, I did it. It was just a little thing to finance my work. <laughs> you understand? You are a scientist. <laughs> I have a feeling that the cell is not big enough for the tour. <laughs> um, what this has to do with the web affair, I have no idea. Yeah, well, I don't know. Could you make a link? I, 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 I don't know. But I'm going to go full on Valerie Singleton and say, I think Doctor Who's in for quite a lot of trouble. And I'm certainly going to tune in on Saturday to see how he does. <laughs> did, you, did you see that Hypnotron? Um, you know, the monsters what? that were in that competition. You must have seen oh, that. that clip. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really see that Hypnotron thing working in the web of fear. But they didn't use it, did they? No. I mean, it looked a bit like the Federation security robot in Blake 7. Yeah, yeah. Blake 7. <laughs> that, that is the worst robot of all time. Okay. Um, but also, okay, I've made a link. Also featuring robots is the Web of Fear. Ah! But there you go. they are, you go. They are dressed up as creatures of myth. Yes. Um, uh, but the focus is not really on them in this last episode. We've had our Yeti action. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more the, the who done it. Who is who is the master mastermind behind this big master plan? My money's on Victoria. It could be, or it could be John Levine. It could, it could be John Levine. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> his Yeti acting is incredible. Certainly better than his business. Yeah. Um, well, <gasps> so, sorry, sorry, that was controversial. <laughs> we like to court controversy here. Um, well, I'm ready to go if you are. I am. Here we go, right? Okay, so episode six, count me in and shout go. Four, Do you think, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question before, 
I have asked a few people this. Do you think yeah. there is an optimum length for a Doctor Who story? I don't mean per like optimum, so so uh, kind of ideal. Um, I think it just depends on the individual story. You can have some of some of the modern day episodes just rush rush by too fast. Well, practically all of them on the episodes rush by too fast, yeah. too fast. And it's kind of like you know, there's not enough real time to actually appreciate what's going on because it's just over in a flash. Because you take out the titles. And you essentially you're left with 40, 45 minutes to tell a story. And that's not enough, in my opinion. Whereas with, I think, yeah, I, I think with this, I think this is a good example of half a dozen episodes actually managing to tell the story. And it does it well. But it, it, does, it does depend on the story. You know, you can have a, you know, you can even have, a, you know, a 45 minute story with a lot Black Orchids. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just them, you know, you know, playing cricket, doing fancy dress. And the Who Done It is like in the last couple of minutes. I'm so, gonna I'm gonna play the cliche card and say I think four is probably like ideal. But four is good, yeah. Well, because I think six uh more often than not is padded. It it, it can get padded. To be fair. A lot of those Pertwee sixes are very Pony valid. in space is just yeah. it just goes back and forth between gun battle, villains win, gun battle, goodies win. Monster of Peladon is probably three episodes too long. Um Time Monster. Time Monster. I mean Yeah. But they just kind of pad it out with everything they can think of. In a really good six parter, like Enemy of the World. Season Doom. Or enemy of the world, yeah. They drop a big twist around episode four, which opens yes. it out again, you know? Yeah. Genesis of the Daleks is great. That's a talent's mm. wing. Actually, some bakeries do get the six parts more often than not, right? You know, you've got Genesis, Seed of Doom, Talent's Wing Shine, even Invasion of Time, I think, is constantly inventive and yeah. you know, imaginative. And I think that the big twist at the end of part four really works well and it takes the story in a new dimension i think all those tom baker ones pretty much without exception uh do the four two thing though so we've done yeah. the daleks you have like a, a wartime story told over four episodes and then it all goes into the bunker in the last two yeah and it becomes more claustrophobic it kind of boxes the action in so you you're just trapped in the bunker with a whole load of exterminating daleks who just sat ev practically everybody and that, that is great. And it, yeah, times when trying moves away from the Theesa to uh, the House of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. And then the Seeds of Doom gets it the other way around. Two, four. Yeah. Whereas with this, it generally is, it, there's no kind of two, four playing here. <clears throat> there's no big twist Not happening. Really, no. What happens is in episode four, we go outside for, for, yeah. for like half an episode. And so that feels really fresh after yes. being stuck underground for four, you know, for like three and a half episodes. But at the same time, it's actually cutting the guest cast that when they actually venture outside, that's where it becomes dangerous. So yeah. it's kind of an interesting paradox. But when they venture outside, that's when they meet their doom. And then, like we said, uh, five really starts focusing on the whodunit. And then six, it becomes like a conceptual horror. So it's kind of evolving all the time. 
everybody's trapped in this web and it's kind of like there's no way out until the end and it's total wagger for christy because it brings <laughs> all the characters into that one is it like a ticket office or it's something like that isn't it it's yeah it's it's the ticket office it's a, i mean it, I'm, I'm amazed actually come up with a brand new a brand new set for the, you know for the final episode all the money obviously hasn't run out have they have they all crammed into the ticket office and there's that great big pyramid in the middle of it yeah and it's like what the hell is that and it's like when they do it in the Agatha Christie, like Warren, he gets all the suspects. You know, and you did, you did do it, you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. did it, yeah. Suspect, you did it. <laughs> but there's not like a, there's not like one person who like goes through all the suspects, is it? Like a Agatha Christie? No, no, it's just completely done out of the blue. Yeah. Which I think is maybe like obviously with with the Poirot thing. The joy of that is that he goes for each person yeah. and, and reveals with, all their secrets. With the sudden shock reveal, it's more like, it's actually more like Midsummer. You know, there's a sudden kind of light bulb moment. Of like, oh, right, yes, yeah, it's him yeah. or her or the vicar, you know, whatever, you know. They kill the person with a great big pork pie or whatever, you know. I think, um, oh, again, nothing to do with everything. The most sublime moment of television <laughs> ever is in an episode of Midsummer Murders where Martine McCutcheon is bludgeoned <laughs> by a massive wheel of cheese. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, first one, isn't ah! it? Yeah. and then the cheese the comes towards the camera. Episode, it's so funny. I, I always connected with Shepherd's Pie. I don't know why. Yeah. I think it was on last week. And one, one of the characters has buried something in the garden. And it just turns out to be a boxy shepherd's pie. And then Tom Barnaby keeps going, Shepherd's baby, midnight that speaks to me of true love. Oh, and it's just this God. ludicrous shepherd's pie. So I just come kind of, I just always say to my wife, Oh, shepherd's pie. <laughs> oh, this picture here, this this shot here of them all surrounded by Yetis. I see that picture everywhere. That was in all of those Hal Stammers Walker's books, you know. Yeah. Yeah. One of the famous publicity stills. That's another thing about Dogs Who, right? Was when mm. when we couldn't go back and revisit these and those books came out, those those big Those books were kind of like, you know, the equivalent of the Bibles. I'll tell you what, those photos that's all you have. they were so enticing, those pictures. Yeah. If they were great. I mean they had Peter Haney books like Celebration, Peter Time. Uh, 25 glorious years. Oh they were kind of like the real big goes. I think it was really exciting. But do you remember oh, it, uh, when I was a kid? I think it was oh, in really? 25 glorious years where there was a picture of Peter Cushing and Louise, and it, it said at the top, Who are these doctors? Do you remember <laughs> <that>? <laughs> so, um, the, the companion was actually, you know, as a, you know, she was a future doctor. Uh, or, uh, don't spit at me, she was <clears> a pre Hartnell doctor. Oh my god, that set's got a ceiling. I know. A lot of them do actually have ceilings. I don't know where this kind of lazy journalist myth about wobbly wobbly designs actually comes from. Because a lot of them are actually very, very good. They do various the old wobbly wall, like in Invasion of the Dinosaurs, where the doctor's going through the bunk pit and the 
those great big shields come down and they're all set. But that's kind of huge well between, I think, in I think it's the 80s again. I think if you look at a lot of 80s stories, there's not a lot of seeing action going on in those. There's a lot of mm, shooting, yeah. a lot of shooting into set. Yeah, you know, it's more in Blake Seven. There's a lot of ceilings in, like the last scene was Blake Seven. Really, I ceiling fetish in Blake Seven, eh? Various, yes, yeah. <laughs> and many others too. But let's not go there. Many others too, <laughs> yeah. Still going for the close-ups. Oh, and um, Re really good with the close-ups. This is nice. The doctor just playing the recorder. Yeah, it was. It was like in your your re you reviewed this and you can kind of compare it to Peter Capaldi on the guitarist of Listen. Did I? I've forgotten that. <laughs> you did, yeah. And it's kind of this kind of very unknowable, mysterious alien, you know, kind of side doctor. You know, he's just kind of thinking. Well, that's the weird thing about Troughton is he, he's probably the most approachable because he's kind but he's also the most alien at times as well. Yeah. And I think, I think this story actually showcases him at his most alien. I think as a double bill as well, the two that were found, so Enemy of the World just shows what an incredible actor he is away from playing the Doctor. Um, yeah. I mean, I... This is just a form of uh, comprehensive insurance, huh? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing for you to worry about, my dear young man. You know, like, he's, he's mad over the top in that. Um, <laughs> but then in this, obviously, it's all very contained, isn't it? And Yeah. You, you couldn't really have picked two better stories to actually find. I'm, I'm just so grateful that we've got, we've got them back in the archives. So, two great stories. Chorley's back. Charlie's back and I think scared out of his wits. If I he he plays well, on. actually. John Rollison. He, he plays the uh, the frightened Charlie very, very well. It's it's genuine panic. I'm gonna be that person again. He takes his glasses off in a minute, and he's incredibly handsome. Like <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him in anything else. There we go. He's just taking them off. He was in. I think he was in the first series of the Avengers. Think. Ah, oh, he was, wasn't he? He was, wasn't he? One of the leads. I think so. Yeah, and then they, then he just got wheeled out of two. It was just Patrick and then on the Blackman and Dinah Rigg and Linda Thorson. I um, I kind of dipped my toes into the Avengers. I have seen a lot of them, but it's not a favourite of mine, and I'm not entirely sure why. Because I love like mad eccentric characters and stupid plots. yeah it's the sort of thing that i just kind of dip into you know if, if it's on itv4 you know i'll i'll see it you know but it's, it's not one of those things i'll collect it's very on season TV. five it's very samey i find like you know one episode is a bit like another yeah when you've seen one wacky eccentric villain you know you've seen you've seen them all and you know if you want to watch a really really good avengers episode Go and watch Season, watch season two. two. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Don't get better than that, you know. Consider me available for any future assignments. So yeah. I'm <laughs> still car, actually. <laughs> 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 I, th I think my favourite is when he t when he says he found it in a car boot and the face is just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the car is immaterial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
that is that is yeah that always cracks me up but but that's like an avengers episode what it feels like it's got like a nice juicy budget and lots of action to it as well you know he does and again it's douglas canfield again at the height of his powers i mean what story to go out on he basically he did come back and direct um the blake seven one didn't he dual yeah which which is a lot more but it's actually a lot more kind of I don't, I don't want to say surreal, but there's a lot of kind of weird arty camera work in that. Like when when the two ships collide and yeah, time slows down, it goes yeah. on top of the box with those creepy video effects and the slow down voices. And it, he actually does that very well. Did you watch his um, Nightmare Man? Yeah, I've, I've seen bits of that. That's yeah, good. that's that's, that's creepy. Again, that's quite claustrophobic. Yeah, I think he was just a master of his art. Yeah, absolutely. Just brilliant director. And skip right back to his beginnings with Doctor Who. Like, he directs the hell out of stuff like The Crusade. Crusade and the Time Meddler. But I find with um, some, some sort of uh, visually strong directors, they leave the actors behind a bit, whereas he can absolutely uh, put the visuals on the screen and spotlight the actors at yeah, the same time. Yeah, he, he's an actor's director, isn't he? I, I, don't, I can't recall any bad performance. In a Douglas Campion story, actually. Well, episode three of the uh, the crusade between Gene Marsh and Julian Glover, like Julian Glover, yeah, God. you've got two powerhouse actors really going, really going for it. You defy me with the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no one's ever shouted that at you before. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I get shouted at that, that, that all the time. Every day, apart from Sundays. Uh, apart from Sundays. <laughs> so he's got a hat for the doctor. Looks, he looks like he's going to eat something out of the bowl. Actually, he's like, oh, is this my Christmas dinner I've got here? What's um, what's great is the doctor has completely got a plan, hasn't he? And it's botched, isn't it? Completely botched. And that's the bit that I don't like because I feel like the direction lets that bit. There's a lot of screaming, and that the the triangle wobbles about, and it's all a bit yeah. confused. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a valid point. It, it does kind of get a bit a bit messy in that final scene. What's going on? But I, I do like the build up of the reveal of who done it, and actually one of the things that sells it is when. Um, and Travis actually screams, I don't believe it, you know, and then, you know, it's actually genuine kind of fear. I, um, I like it when Doctor Who uses very, this is going to sound like a bizarre observation, very simple shapes. I think that triangle is very effective. Like, the, yeah. I think the Sontaran spaceship ball is really effective and it is distinctive because it's simple. Yeah. It's like, you know, the Jaguar ship is a very simple kind of design. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's very eye-catching because it's, you know, it's kind of like spidery. I don't say anything about the cubes of the power of three. The what? In the power of three? The cubes. Oh, I quite like those as well. I just like the oh, ones. That, oh. <laughs> I like, I like the ones. Well, the idea was um, actually quite good. And yeah. then you just go, you know, by the end, it's like, you know, everybody that's been killed just suddenly get comes back to life again oh the ending of that strip. but i do like the bit where they open the door and it's like yeah it's actually quite a fun story but 
that's that's very gracious of you to say about a Chibnall episode. Sorry, I said that's very gracious of you to say that about a Chris Chibnall episode. I know, yeah, Yeah. I know. I'm mellowing in my old age. (laughs) It's about the only story of his I do like. (laughs) Do you know what? He this is a perfect chance for him to say, "I would like a hat like this." He would, yeah. So many opportunities he could have. Coming up to the big reveal. You will know soon enough. Oh, and then Chorley Chorley comes in, doesn't he? You think it's him, don't you? Actually, yeah, he he does this bit really well. He's he's, he's really broken, isn't he? I tell you what, there's a lot of smoke in that set. Dry ice over time. Oh, that was a great reaction from Anne. You're right. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. And then because he he's, he, he's dropped the accent, so he feels like a completely different character. And he's got a... I, I, don't, I don't really think it matters that he doesn't do the whole... No, I quite like the sort of serene nature of his delivery. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, there's no energy there at all. It's just, you know, he's just using a... You know, his corpse, just as you know, just as a conduit, I suppose. I, I, I think he plays it well. So, when did Arnold die? I don't know. Um, I really don't know, actually, because where, when it doesn't have any use for him, he's just like a child corpse, isn't he? Yeah. And actually, do you know what? I'm gonna I am gonna say something uh, positive about that Stephen Moffat episode that deals with the Great Tension. The scene where Celia Imry is no longer under the influence of the Great Intelligence, and she's like a little girl, and the idea oh, she's is a little girl, isn't she? Yeah, that's, that's quite that's quite creepy. Yeah. Celia Imry plays it quite well, but if only she had actually more to do in the episode. Yeah, she's just like sort of tapping away at an iPad and saying the odd line. She she's Crazy. such a good actress. That it is a terrible way. They, they just waste these perfectly good actors. Yeah, well, this was the clip they used for for the news when the the episodes were discovered, and it just gives the game away as to how as to who it is, which is the spoiler phobics mad. That doesn't look at all comfortable in there, you know. It doesn't, does it? I mean, it looks it looks like a really, really uncomfortable toilet. I mean, I've, you know, I've heard of, you know, British Rail not having good toilets, but that's, that is taking the piss, literally. John, I've got the ultimate question for you, actually. You know, in this <clears throat> series of questions, uh, what is the Great Intelligence actually trying to do? <laughs> do you know what? That is, that is a very good question. Um, <laughs> no one's asked that question. <laughs> I don't know. I think... What is it trying to do? I mean, it, it wants the doctor's mind. I mean, maybe, maybe it just wants, you know, enough brains so it can go and who wants to be a millionaire and win a million quid or something. I don't know. I mean, yeah. does it does it want time travel? I think it just wants knowledge. Doesn't it? I I no idea. And it's gone a, a very strange way about getting it. It's quite quite a convoluted way of achieving the aim, isn't it? 
Yeah, here, watch here. This is all a bit yeah, weird. It's uncharacteristic as it is, you know, a little bit of a lapse in quality. But maybe maybe there wasn't enough time in the studio day to actually do it the way that it was originally planned. I don't know. Like maybe this was like the you know the quarter to ten. My God, quarter to ten before the lights out. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, there's a nice effect when when the camera kind of whites out and you know um, arms corpse pops to the floor now. Yeah, that's that's that is effective. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. I need to have more grisly child remains yeah i seem to remember there was a good one in the celestial toy maker when cyril falls yeah the... it's, it's child doll yeah. yeah but it's like you know pyramids of mars being marcus scarman just becomes like skeleton burnt skeleton <laughs> do you see that drive reverence just Ooh. went well that's that then isn't it you know that's that done Oh, I see. Because they cocked up his plan, yeah, th this could pave the way for the third great intelligence story because it's still yeah. out there. Yeah, they, they were going to have it. Jamie's final story. Oh. I go back to the Highlands. The Laird of the McCrimmon? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it would be Jamie's final story. They and made a massive falling out with the Dominators. Oh, yeah, and Derek right. Chirin did my Oh dear. Yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, so that story didn't didn't get made, which is which is a shame because I think the two that they both wrote, I think, are very very strong. Dominators, obviously. I I believe that they were going to kill him off in the Laird of the Macrimmon. I think I don't know. I, I think I read somewhere that he was just going to replace the uh, the Laird who had been. Oh, I think he was used as a conduit for the intelligence. Then Jamie would take his place, and so, so it kind of would have been full circle. Look at this. Everyone's just behaving normally now. Now we're not going to have done it anymore. Yeah. Right, yeah, we're going to put you in the papers. Yeah, we're going to interview you. Blah, blah. Never mind, you know, it's just a child books there and yet he's lying about and, you know, the world nearly ended. But hey. I do like this about Trout's doctor. He just wants to get out of there very he quickly. He wants to get out. He hates goodbyes. Because that makes uh, the climax of Fury from the Deep very effective when they hang around. It makes all the more pointed to yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The best one, I think, is the Macro Terror where they dance out. You know, do, they do, 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 yeah, do, it's do, such a shame do, do, do. because you don't get to see them dance off. That would have been great if they don't do that in the animation. No, which they is a don't. Shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, I think I think they missed the trick. Oh no, we've looked. We've left Anne Travers being kind of Charlie's being very creepy with her there. Yeah, and his hair's all kind of skew as well. It's just like, yeah. And I believe that in the invasion, the original idea was it was going to be... It was going to be Anne Travis and, and uh, Professor Travis. Yeah. Games, yeah. And they had to rewrite it for Isabel and Watkins, didn't they? Or, or Professor Ketterwell again. It's him, isn't it? Professor Ketterwell, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Couldn't we just nail up the match? <laughs> no, go on. That just I flew love by. It. That just... It's past, isn't it? What a great story. So I think I think I've done an awful lot of um unfair comparisons between Enemy of the World and Web of Fear, because I, I do prefer Enemy of the World. But watching this in preparation for doing this with you and watching it alongside you, 
Man, there's some bloody good stuff in this. Like, it's it great. I, I could watch it time and time again and not get bored. And I think that is the secret of the good spot team story is that it stands up to repeated viewings. I just love it. Still easily one of my top 10 movies. It's marvellous. Well, okay, I'm doing something a little bit new at the end of this, and we've got two minutes to get this done before this segment runs out. Okay. Can you give me three reasons to recommend Web of Fear to somebody? Right, okay. Uh, Douglas Canfield is one. The direction is superb. Uh, Patrick Troughton at his most mercurial. Absolutely brilliant. And just the whole the whole package of the whodunit element, I think, is... You know, it's it's appealing to anybody that likes murder mysteries, and it's appealing to those that like action. It's it's just got everything you want. It's got murder mystery, humour, drama, terror, great visuals, great cast, everything you could want. Basically, go. On That's probably it. more than probably more than three. <laughs> yeah, but to sum it up, go and watch it now. You won't regret. Go and it. watch it now. Yeah. Turn the lights out. Watch it in the dark. Turn the light. Yeah. Watch it in darkness. Right. Um, but that just leads me to say thank you very much once again for your company. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, I fear if, um, if I can entice you back again, we should once again skip back to the new series. Let's bounce back and forth. <laughs> but this time... I'll go on then. Go this, on. This time we'll find a new series adventure that you don't loathe. I don't loathe. I think they could be one or two. There's I think they could be one. I've read your books. There's plenty of those, you know. We could do a, yeah, Cap yeah. a Capaldi. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, absolutely. How, how about In the Forest of the Night? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to see my face at the moment. <laughs> well, all I'll say with five seconds to go is until next time. Until the next time. Thank you, Jim.